You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 52. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen. And I'm Chris Field. Great to be with you. It's good to be back, Chris. And, and well, it is. Yeah, It is good to be back, but we've got... Um, We've we've got something a little bit a little bit sad, a little bit bittersweet we want to talk about this morning. I guess we'd call it sobering. 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 Yep. Yeah. Just five days ago, uh, Clive Field, Pastor Clive Field, my dad, who we've uh, featured on the program on a number of podcasts over the years, uh, was buried, uh, and uh, I was there with the family. Um, I'm the oldest surviving member of the family now, and it was kind of a, an amazing and and wonderful experience. Bittersweet because I'm going to miss Dad terribly. Um, so are a lot of other people. But at the same time, he's through the suffering that uh, mm. he was due to go through with uh, uh, mesothelioma, which is quite a, an unpleasant way to suffer. So that's asbestos-related? Yes, yes, the asbestos cancer basically in the lung. It takes out your lung, puts a person to a lot of pain. And Dad was in, encountering that. So we're very, very glad that he's come to a place of, of that putting all that behind him mm. and going to his heavenly reward. But we're going to miss him. Mm. Uh, a man of God and someone who had impacted people in a powerful way. So, mm. And he was 88 yeah. years old? I just turned 88. He turned 88 in March and so died in May. So uh, it, he had a good innings and uh, a really wonderful life. In fact, the funeral, we'll talk about some of the things that came out of that, but one of the things that kind of took a lot of us by surprise was just how much other people who we didn't know loved our dad, like just mm. cherished him thought he was the most amazing man wow. on the planet. And he had been to them, really, really touched their lives. And so I thought, if, if you don't mind, and our listeners don't mind, would mm. like to just sort of do a bit of a rambling debrief about the things that you observe, and so that we can justify it biblically. We have a Bible verse for you <laughs> in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2. How's it go, guy? What, what version would you like? Oh, well, you've got your choice. The NIV will do fine. Okay, NIV. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2. So the living should take this to heart. And that's why Solomon and all his wisdom was saying, you're better to go to a funeral than to a party or a wedding feast or something like that. So having just been to one, this is our chance to kind of deep. That's a verse that you'd look at as a young person. You go, what? Yeah, what, yeah. what? What is this? There's no way I want to go to a funeral. Yeah. I want to go to a party. Well, I guess what Solomon was saying there, death is an inevitable. What yeah. did they say? Two things that you can't avoid. Uh, death and something else. What was that other thing? <laughs> Taxes or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, at Bad the same jokes, time, yeah. it does make us stop and just reflect on our life and where we are. Some people would say, I'm, I'm not very far away from that. Or some would say, I'm a long way from that time. Um, and just take stock of you know the Im- impact we've had or what's going on in our life. And I think Dad's funeral certainly was a wonderful experience for that for all of our family in, in so many wonderful ways. So maybe if I just ramble through a number of my reflections, what, what do you think? Well, yeah, okay. So well, I've, I would like to also just pay a little bit of a tribute to, mm-hmm. um, to Clive. And he did do three podcasts with us. So just reminding our listeners that way back in, I think he was, it was two years ago, actually, back when he was 86, I think, that uh, that Clive did his first one with us. It was actually our second a second podcast. We were still learning what we were doing. We were still learning what we were doing. That's right. And that was that was titled A Lasting Life Purpose. 
and and this is probably something which you're going to touch on a bit as we mm-hmm. as we go through here. And the very fact of what you've already mentioned is that people you didn't already you didn't know already said, well, we we love Clive. We loved mm-hmm. the impact that he had on us on our life. And when you go back and listen to these podcasts and see where Clive came from, it is it is a real testimony to his uh, to his attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, his, his faith in God, and is and one of the things he talks about in in his podcasts, uh, not so much this one. I think it was in one of those other ones, but he just talks about how the need you just got to have a need to have a go. Yeah, having a go. That was one. That was uh, podcast number thirty-seven. Podcast yeah. number thirty-seven, which is actually entitled "Having a Go." And one of the things that Clive said in that podcast was that he marvels at the fact that. Young people today have got so many opportunities, you know, with the internet, with technology, yep. uh, with the wealth that we tend to have compared to in his day and back in the 40s. Uh, he he marvels at the fact that young people look at those opportunities, not so much as opportunities, but as maybe it's it's a struggle because they've got a choice. It's but He didn't have a choice, really. I mean... If he had the opportunities that we had today, he would just jumped right, in. He'd been right in, given it a hundred percent, and would have just would have just bled his knuckles dry yeah. getting to getting to his goals. Another one that we did with Dad that I thought was really good was the one about learning to father. And of course, Dad himself had uh, as his own dad a rather poor example. Yeah, it was number thirty three. Thirty three is it? Yep. And I think that was really quite telling. And, and I have to say that um, as one of his five sons, um, that. Um, Dad still had a lot of holes in his ability to father, but mm. he obviously had had um, taken it really to heart the the things that he missed from his own dad growing up, and had made a major advances. And I'd hope to think that I've been able to build on that and give my kids even a better go at, at what it is to have a father in their life. Yeah, he. You don't even know how many grandchildren and great grandchildren he's got. You haven't counted them all up, but it's probably at least 40 or 50, right? It's a bunch. It's because you've got 26 <laughs> yourself, so, right? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, one of the things I guess that struck me with, with Clive, with that, with that podcast was that, um, he was the, he was the pivot. He was the pivot in a, in a road, right? So up until him, your family line had been going down a certain direction, mm-hmm. right? And, and he, he reflected how his dad was a good man, but not a good father. Good man. And he said that even when we were chatting this last week before he passed away, how that his dad was a good man. You know, he was honest. He was hardworking. Yep. All, all good things about him. Just that he was a hopeless father. And yeah. so the sad thing was that Clive was actually relieved. He was happy when he yeah. he himself got a chance to leave home. Get out of home. Because, yeah. because being at home with his dad was a struggle. Yeah. But... And that could have continued to go on that way. Clive could, could could have been like that, and then he would have passed it on to you. You could have been like that, and that's what I mean. That that he was Clive, the turning point. Clive was the turning point. Yeah. He was the fork in the road when when he completely changed the direction mm-hmm. for your family line, and he set the example then of how you were a father, and then you stood on his shoulders, and your kids stand on your shoulders, and so on and so forth. He was that turning point in your generation, in your. Family line. Let's talk about that turning point since you focused on it because I shared this at the funeral. My dad's favourite grandfather was on his mother's side, the mother's dad, but he was suffering from a disease called Friedrich's ataxia, which is a bit like Parkinson's probably to the, the way people might think of it. Mm-hmm. It just, he ended up crippled. He had no use of his legs and his arms became weaker. 
And way back then, and we're talking in the in the, the 40s, he had a, a, a cart that he'd made, like the very first uh, skateboard, basically, a cart with some wheels on it. And he would drag himself around his garden, and he gardened beautifully. Um, and the man was definitely someone very, very dear to my dad as a little little lad, a primary school age lad. But something happened in the family that was really unhappy and unfortunate, and that was that... Um, when this man took ill, Dad's granddad took ill and was bedridden, uh, the minister from the local Anglican church never went near him, didn't, didn't even come near the place. Once he was well enough again and working back in the garden, the minister suddenly pops up and sticks his head over the fence and says, oh, how's the garden going? What have you got growing at the moment? And looking to be able to get an armful of veggies free off the, off the granddad. And that must have affected more than just Dad. I think Dad probably picked up hearing other people talk with great despisement about the church. Here's this minister, all he was interested in is what he could get for nothing. And when someone really needed his attention to come and maybe be with him, see mm. him, pray with him or do something, yep. the minister wasn't to be seen. And so my dad, out of that, developed a really deep bitterness to the church. Uh, in his, one of his very first jobs, he was working in a, a joinery shop on a bench right beside a guy that was a very committed Christian who was a missionary type family. And they were he would witness to dad every day. Right. So my dad would lie awake at night thinking of the most outrageous and, and insulting thing to say to this guy when he got to work the next day. And, and the guy just took it, you know, just, just um, sucked in the, 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 the offense of all of that and, and let it go. But he was, um, there was a sparring going on. It was because my dad had just become so bitter against the church. Uh, in the town of Lake Ajelego in the middle of New South Wales where we lived for a while, there was a the young families, the young adults, dad was in his 20s, decided that they were going to put on a, a skit that was quite popular in those days, a, a banquet dinner, which was a mock wedding where some guy's going to be forced to marry a daughter at gunpoint. And so they had different characters pay the, play the bride and the groom and the father. And they needed someone to pr- play the part of the drunken priest. And they said, oh, Clivey, he's the guy you got to get. He hates the church. He'll be the perfect guy to play and mock the priest, you know. Yep. And Dad did that part, you know. So that just testified to the kind of hardness of his heart toward the things of God. And then, of course, uh, when my brother drowned in the lake uh, and Dad became, we he talked about that in our earlier podcast, yep. he, he became really, really impacted by that, couldn't get out of bed, couldn't go to work, couldn't do what he had to do and he, he's, he was a builder with contracts but he was going backwards and there was uh, debts were mounting uh, the bank manager finally sort of salvaged things by sort of saying to dad you've got to get out of bed you've got to go back to work but all the money that comes in from the, the bank jobs, manager did yeah well he the loans for the, the property were in his yep. purvey so back in those days a bank manager was part of the community not just some head office person working off yeah. a computer. You know? I was going to say, it's not the bank manager not, of today. Not today's bank manager. So yeah. he, he, his concern was that the loans got repaid. So he mm-hmm. needed to see the buildings finished so that they, they could then be completed and, the, and the, all his, his end of the business would be tidied up. So he challenged Dad to get up and get back to work. But all the money that came in from the different progress payments went to the bank and not to Mum and Dad. So we as little kids were struggling on... I don't remember that. I was I was very young. But, but we were struggling and Mum was struggling to keep us going. And one man in town, Mr. Fry, um, a spry, I should say, he he saw the predicament that the family was in and he said to Dad, he said, come on out and work on a Sunday and do some work around my house. It's your only day off. Come and work around the house. And he said, come early in the morning, bring Rose and the kids. I'll feed them breakfast. I'll feed them lunch. And, and you do work around the house. So at the end of the day, we'd have all had a lovely time out at their large 
property and playing tennis on their court and eating food. And then we would be um, sent home, uh, Dad would say, with cash money in Mum's hands and a bag of fresh meat because he would be killing his own animals each week out on the farm. And he said, that's what actually kept us alive. And then it was sometime after that that um, when things got a bit better, Dad was back on his feet again, things were moving along reasonably well, that uh, Dad got a phone call from Mr Spry inviting him to go and hear Billy Graham preach a message via a landline cable through to a, a church way out in the middle of New South Wales from the Sydney Cricket Ground. 1959 it was. State-of-the-art technology, a landline. And uh, the... <laughs> um, Original MBN. Yeah. So the the, the dad, uh, my dad wasn't uh, at all interested. He, he just would never have gone near it. And mum said to him, Clive, there's one person you can't say no to, and it's the guy that got us through our darkest hours. That's Mr Spry. We're just going to have to go. And Dad realised that was true. The one person he couldn't say no to was the man that got us through that really, really dark period. So Dad went to that meeting. And I remember being there as a little kid sitting on the back row of the Methodist church and um, uh, hearing this beautiful singing, wondering how all these people could make such a noise because they'd all stand up and I couldn't see a thing. I was in the back row and I was only a, probably a preppy-aged kid, four or five years old. Um, and I couldn't see through all the people to see why this wonderful noise was coming. But there was a great big speaker box, and it was the Billy Graham Choir singing from the, the stands at the Sydney Cricket Ground. And then there was the preaching, and I probably fell asleep during that. But I do remember at the end of the service looking around for mum and dad, and my older brother Lawrence was asleep, and I couldn't rouse him. So I pulled the trouser leg of one of the men, and I said, where's my mummy? Where's my daddy? And he just said, they've gone down the front to talk to somebody about Jesus. And as uh, others put it, you know, Dad really had a real heart, a real heart for people. But he didn't think God had a heart. Uh, The representative of God, which was the minister, Mm. seemed to be self-interested and not caring about others in need. And that was the night when Dad actually discovered that God had a heart bigger than his. And he he connected with that God that was full of love and compassion uh, and got wonderfully saved. As Mum and Dad were driving home that night, um, Mum said to Dad, Uh, I've got a place to go. I was going to leave you in a week's time. I was going to take the kids and disappear and you never would have found me. Um, So the marriage and everything was in such a horrible state at that point. That's where it was all going. So that one night turned all of that around, you Mm. know. And from that moment on, Dad was was complete. He was no longer a man trying to cope with life in his own strength, in his own energies, with his own resentments, with his own hurts, with his own memories, with his own... Um, strength, trying to to overcome all of the issues of life. Now, he became a man that was connected to a God who was full of love and compassion, which his own heart already resonated with. And he could go and begin to minister that to other people. So it was really quite beautiful at the funeral to to recognize people whom I didn't know. People traveled from a long way to come and speak at the funeral. I'd heard about them, but never actually met them. And they were people who God had touched in wonderful ways. One example, there was... um, my dad had gone out and pioneered a church in a place called Coffs Harbour. When he finished his time there, he handed the church over to one of my younger brothers to pastor the church. And he was at a loose end and he got a phone call asking if he would go further up the, the coast to a place called Yamba and look after a little church where something had gone wrong and the minister had left in a hurry and the people were floundering. So dad thought he'd go there for three months. They lasted there for five years. And when they got there, my mum just felt impressed that the ladies were really in a hard way and they needed a ladies group. So she formed a, a kind of a small group, a craft group originally, but it quickly became a Bible study and devotional group. 
And uh, one of the ladies that was attending that group got gloriously saved, but she was from a really hard, bitter experience with her husband. Uh, they would they would be in at warfare for a week and they'd make up for a week and they'd be at war for a week. And so when mum and dad finally met them, they were separated. They weren't even living together. And uh, mum organised a, a camp for the weekend for the ladies and the wife went off with to that and came back so touched by God, so transformed that when she went to pick up the kids from her husband, he took one look at her and said, what happened to you? You're, you're different. You're just different. Something's happened to you. A few days later, there was a phone call and um, it was the wife asking my dad if he would go and talk to the husband. And uh, dad knew the guy was pretty fiery and pretty feisty and they did a lot of fighting and he wasn't sure whether he was going to get eaten up for having dared, um, you know, sort of make a Christian out of his wife. So dad went to the home. And the man finally met him and he just uh, stood in front of dad and said, I want what she's got. And so dad led him to the Lord. And then mum and dad mentored and counseled this couple, sorted out their marriage. And then the guy, uh, over time, after being well discipled, ended up being offered the opportunity to pastor a small church in another place that was struggling. And even after that, my dad would travel out regularly. And they they, they talked of him, of my dad, and said, uh, what a privilege it was to know that Clive was coming. And they'd get all the people together and the elders and the others in the church with any responsibility. They'd sit around the dining table and just let him say whatever he wanted to say, ask him questions. And they just found the wisdom, the 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 old man grace that he could bring to them. And he was an absolute spiritual father to these people. Now, I didn't meet them until the funeral. I'd heard about them, never even met them until then. Here were people who my dad had impacted for eternity and they were now impacting others. And I didn't even meet them until the funeral. Mm. Uh, but just showing what God did with someone that was already broken. And one of the points we made at the funeral is that Clive didn't become the awesome man of God that he was because he was a charmed upbringing, you know, went to the best Bible school, got the best grades, um, had all of the right ingredients. He was a man who hated God, was angry at God. He was a man who, through his own responsibility, had seen his oldest son drown when he was supposed to be keeping an eye on the boy. Uh, a broken man who'd, who'd ended up in depression and couldn't even get out of bed and go to work, who then was trying to fight back through life in his own strength. Um, that was the bloke that God picked up and turned into this wonderful man of God. So the message in that is that it doesn't matter if you're broken. It doesn't matter if you've caused calamities. It doesn't matter if you've come from the wrong side of the tracks. Dad was born in a poor home on the wrong side of the tracks, as it were. So uh, with all of those things that should have been against him, God could pick him up and make him into someone that people treasured, you know, really treasured. Uh, and so God can do that with, with all kinds of ordinary people as well. And Dad wanted that message to be to shine forward. He didn't want people to think of him as great. He wanted people to recognize how great God was mm. through Clive. Another one of the couples that was at the funeral, they said that they actually called Clive their Abraham. They, they just saw him as a, such a man of God. And once again, they lived in a place called Port Macquarie on the coast of New South Wales. I'd heard about them and never met them till the funeral. But every time Dad would go through and stop in their, their town, they would call all the people together and have a house meeting if it went whichever night it was if Clive was coming, and they would just be overcome by the the grace and the wisdom that he could always just come out of him. You know, what counterbalances that is that I grew up with my dad and I knew he was just an I just knew he was an ordinary man. You know, yeah. my, my dad wasn't highly educated, and my dad um, and I weren't always on the same page. There were things I thought was funny he didn't, and things he thought was funny that I didn't think. You know, 
uh, he was just a bloke, you know. Yep. And in a very human sense, um, I could sit down and say, well, you know, he wasn't the best man on the planet and he wasn't the best dad on the planet. And, I, you know, and uh, uh, mum was often really a difficult woman and, and, and she made life hard for him and blah, 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 blah. But despite all of that ordinariness, there was a super ordinariness that God gave to him like he gives to each of us. A new birth, a spiritual perspective, the opportunity to do things for the kingdom of God, which are outside of us. And I just love that. Um, that was one of the really sweet things about the funeral. This example of dad as someone who God could pick up and use, even though he was just dad, just an ordinary bloke, and use him in supernatural and extraordinary ways. I think you've just got the, the title for this podcast, just, just an ordinary bloke. Well, there you go. Okay, that'll do. Now, you've, you've buried your dad, our yeah. parents, in, in recent years. No, not my dad, my, my mum. Mum. Okay. My wife and I buried our mum back in 2013. So actually, actually, in a few days, it's the sixth anniversary of her death. Mm. Um, yeah, so, and, uh, you know, and, and when, you get, when you go to somebody's funeral like that, somebody who's your parent, you know them in a different way to the way that everybody else everybody does. Everybody else does, that's right, yeah. Right, but it is, is wonderful to hear the stories of the way that they have impacted, that the love of God has shown through through them, and that ripple effect has gone out. So somebody they've impacted has impacted somebody yeah. else, impacted somebody else. Yeah. And we don't know the half of it because there'll be a lot of people who are impacted by people who Clive impacted or my mum impacted who didn't even know the original yeah. source. It's like that Mr. Sly, was that what his name? Uh, Spry. Spry yeah. Mr. Spry. Yeah. So Mr. Spry would have no idea about all the people that yeah. that his willingness to do those acts of mm. kindness to Clive and, mm. and, to, his, Rose, yeah. and to Rose, yep. that that impact would have. Mm. But he was just obedient to show the love of God and to meet somebody's need. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a precious thing. I guess what made the funeral so special was to know that there was, and so many people had been touched. Because Dad was diagnosed just at the end of January and he died so quickly, which was his wish, in fact. He said that, look, I, I don't, I know my life could be prolonged. I'm not looking for that. I, I'm, I believe I'm due to go home for my heavenly reward. I want to go back and, and, and get to heaven. So he was, he, he, he passed away quickly, hmm. uh, happily in his case, quickly. But in just those few months, the number of people who communicated through his Facebook page and through other means to let him know uh, that they knew him and knew of him, people from 45 years previously, you know, imagine a, a man who was a teenager at the time uh, had encountered dad in some context somewhere and dad had felt a word from God for this young man and said something encouraging to him. And the guy would declare 45 years later that it was the most powerful word anyone's ever spoken in his life, you know, wow. in the whole of his life. And uh, another gal that was talked to, contacted Dad and said that she was one of the young people that would get picked up and to, to take into the youth group when Dad was driving a bus long before he was in ministry. And he was driving this bus to take, no, it must, might have actually been when he pioneered the church in Coffs, I guess, driving this bus and this, there were... Um, uh, young people in the bus who were making so much noise he couldn't even concentrate on driving. And he called this girl over who was a bit of a sassy kind of um, uh, confident sort of troublemaker when she wanted to be. And he said, I need you to be the policeman on the bus and keep everybody quiet because I just can't concentrate. And so uh, that was his remembrance of this girl. She's now a pastor's wife 
uh, had given her heart to the Lord way back in those days. Uh, Dad probably didn't know or didn't pay much attention to that. She was just one of the kids in the youth group that he was taking along to the meeting. Um, and she remembers Clive as being really instrumental in her whole life journey, you know. But we wouldn't have known about any of these people. They're just like, there's just blasts from the past that we we had no knowledge of. And so thankfully in those few months, Dad was able to hear the, uh, uh, an abundance of wonderful um, affirmations and testimonies to God's grace that showed that even in some very ordinary things, some very ordinary ways, and ways that Dad wouldn't have known were any more were any any particularly significant uh, moments, that God was using him and speaking into people's lives, directing their eternal destiny. I thought, wow, Lord, I want that to be my story too. And I think if we go back to Ecclesiastes seven, was it verse two, um, that we get instructed by being at the funeral. Uh, in that sort of context, because we death is, was it say death is inevitable? Is that what that uh, death comes death to is, us all? Death is the destiny for everyone. Right. And then the last phrase is? The living should take this to heart. So the living should take this to heart. To so stop and say, okay, wow, looking at what has happened with Clive, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for our listeners? That that we will one day end up with One day there's going to be a funeral for us. Yeah. And, and will it be um, some sort of thought, well, he could have and should have done better, uh, or thank God he's gone, you know? Uh, or will it be a testimony of, wow? Or is it going to be, oh, in his 20s, he was a good sportsman? Yeah. Is that what you want to be remembered for? Yeah. A lot of people chase these sort of elusive, or not even elusive, they can achieve the goals, but they're not, they don't have any lasting value, you know? Uh, I think in the, the production, of, stage production of the musical of Scrooge, they have a group of people singing the song when Scrooge dies in his dream he's seeing yep. in the future. And this song is, thank you very, very much because you're dead. You know, the best thing you ever did for us was to die. Well, that'd be a horrible thing to actually get to the end of your life and have people say, well, thank goodness the old coot's gone, you know. And it makes us stop and reflect. And the other thing that I I, I valued out of the whole process um, is to see that at 88, Dad was still very young. He was still very vibrant. He actually meant a lot to a lot of people. He hadn't become senile. He hadn't become irrelevant. He wasn't some cranky old man saying, well, back in my day, you wouldn't have been allowed to do that. You know, he wasn't sort of stuck in any of those sort of ruts. He was still a vibrant well of living water for people, people that were pastors, people that were his friends, people that, that he knew. And I think that would be wonderful to be able to say, I tracked all the way to the end You know, at the funeral. One of my brothers reminded me that dad used to sing a chorus he'd picked up way back in the 1960s. And it the, the word, and we sang it as dad's coffin was lowered into the grave. Let me burn out for you, dear Lord. Burn and wear out for you. Don't let me rust or my life be uh, what, wasted. I forget what the line of the song is. Um, and looking at, at that cry that dad had, I don't want to... Um, uh, find myself on the sidelines watching television or watching sport and filling in the last 20 years of my life because I've got nothing better to do. Yep. Let me actually work so where waiting for, and waiting for the end for you. And he did. You know, within the, the last months of his life, he was still touching people, praying for people, blessing people, answering questions, resolving things for people. And so he really did take it all the way to the end of his life. And I think that would be a wonderful testimony for all of us that, hey, we didn't stop doing what we could do uh, and just say, well, it's my turn to have fun now. I'm just going to go on a cruise or I'm going to just go on a permanent holiday or I'm going to lock myself in my room and play solitaire or something. 
but to be actively and dynamically alive all the days that God gives you to be alive. You can choose to be anything, be kind. That's Okay. That's that's what I that's what that's a quote, I don't know who said it. It comes to mind when I think of think of Clive. He look always looked at opportunities to, to be kind and to show God's God's love to others and then that I mean, you've already talked about the ripple effect that that's had, and that's what it does. One more thing that I think is probably worth mentioning, because it is significant to us as a family. In 88 years, Dad had been kicked in the guts a number of times, not just by his own mistakes and his own faults, but there were times when he uh, trained up people, got them saved, got them trained up, and then some other fancy-pants preacher would come along and say to them, hey, I can give you an opportunity to really do something wonderful. Not here with Clive, because that's a dead end. Come with me and I'll give you a great opportunity. Lured them away mm. from being faithful to the one who'd actually trained them and prepared them. And, and, and so they went off and did other things, which made some people bitter. They, some people began to sort of really cursed those individuals because they abandoned Clive along the way. But Dad's attitude was that we must always show grace. And Dad actually, with many of those people, was able to heal the relationship, restore them. Some of them became his best friends um, 10 or 20 years later, after, despite all that had happened and after all of that. And so uh, even in the weeks before uh, Dad passed, there were still some issues that he was discussing with us as his sons about different things that have happened. And he was saying to us, don't become bitter about that. Don't let it get at you. Show God's grace. Forgive. Make sure you keep a clean heart, even to those people who at this stage are still making some kind of issue about something or other. And I thought that's just a beautiful example to, to, uh, to be at that stage of his life. I mean, I've seen, <laughs> I used to be a sales rep and I pull over on the side of the road. I remember one time parking near a park and there were three old ladies on a bench Every one of them was bitter and twisted. <laughs> they were just nasty old women, you know. Yeah. Uh, everything, and they didn't even like each other. Oh, you're here, are you? You know, it was just a terrible atmosphere. And he was my dad, the very opposite, still glowing with grace and glowing with, with that. And, and these are all take-homes for me to say, you know, Lord, this is my heritage, but it's actually not mine. It's Christ's. This mm. is what Christ teaches. Every Christian actually has this heritage to be able to be kind to be able to be forgiving, to be able to be loving, to be generous, to walk in the power of God and keep serving God all the days of our lives. It's not a Clirefield heritage, it's actually Christ's heritage. I think that reflects I think that reflects through what you've told us is that Clive never forgot what he was saved from. Mm-hmm. Right? And he lived the reality of that every day. And he wanted others to also experience and know that reality of being being saved by Christ, mm-hmm. having their having their life there. The attitude, the whole outlook on their life and on eternity transformed. Mm. And I've also, in the last days since I came home from the funeral, I figured what my what my dad actually did. I finally worked it out. He simply gave away what he had. And if someone needed a word of encouragement, he'd encourage them. If somebody didn't have faith, he wanted to give them faith. If someone didn't understand something in the Bible, he wanted to explain it. He was All he was doing was simply making sure everybody had a fair chance at a fair go, uh, giving them whatever he had that he could, he felt could help them. And whether that was buying a kid an ice cream or whether it was giving someone a lift in the car, he was just there to simply be generous, to give people what they didn't have. And he never thought too much about it. He never put tickets on himself. He just thought, well, there's a need. I can fill it if I was in that situation. He remembered walking the streets barefoot. He remembered having no money. He remembered living on the poor side of town. And he just knew that... that 
All he had to do was just be generous, give away whatever he had. Yep. And so the only theology he could teach was the theology he had. The only love he could give was the love that he had. The only understanding he could give was the understanding that he had. And he just gave it away freely uh, to whoever needed it, um, uh, just because all he was really doing was just giving away what he'd got for nothing from the Lord uh, to be able to bless other people as they needed it. And I thought, that's all I've got to do. I've just got to keep giving away what little I've got. Other people might argue with my understanding or content, but I just want to give away what I've got to those that haven't got it yet so they can have something they didn't have and then take that with them into wherever they're going to. All part of Clive's heritage. All part of Christ's heritage Absolutely. through Clive. Amen. So you may never actually have met Clive, all those of you listening, uh, but you will still be able to meet him one day yep. in heaven uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you're giving your life to Christ. Then, uh, then you'll be seeing him soon, one, one day in the near future. Until then, you can grab a little piece of Clive through those podcasts that he did with us. There's number two, number 33, and number 37. 37. The other so one, yeah. do encourage you to go back and, and listen to his, to his wisdom because there's some, some valuable things there. So, Chris, thank you for opening up. I realize it's only been a, a few days since mm-hmm. you've had to bury your, bury your dad. So thank you for, for sharing it and those lessons that you've, you've learned you over the last the few days. I just trust that's a blessing to our listeners along the way as well. Mm. All right. So thanks to, to you, all our listeners, for joining us once more for another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. Uh, do remember that the show notes are over on the website at realmen247.org. And uh, you also find us on Facebook where you'll find a link to this podcast where you can add some comments. Uh, especially if there's something that you've appreciated about listening to Clive's podcast, let us know what it is that uh, that you've you've enjoyed listening to and learning from him. Uh, so we'd love to to hear from you, to know who's listening, and and getting value from uh, from these podcasts. So thanks for joining us. All the best. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.